2: Welcome to a brand new season of the Oasis on the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel. Everyone's starting on zero points and I think none of us are really looking forward to this season. But all of a sudden it's amazing what five fresh faces can do for you. Um, this is the show where we speak to opposition fans because as we all know, it can be a little bit samey listening to Newcastle fans talking about how great or awful we are all the time. So if you want fresh takes from opposition fans, make sure you keep checking into the channel as the season goes on. We're going to be previewing every single game. So our guest this week it's obviously first game's West Ham, and I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, but we both had rather forgettable seasons last year. Um, so welcome to the channel, Justin. You are from the American Hammers Network. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks, Andy. Appreciate you having me.
2: So we've obviously just talked in depth about lots of different things, Newcastle and West Ham for your own channel, but never really got to ask you, how how is the sort of general feeling as a West Ham fan at the moment? Optimistic? Not really feeling anything? What is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not optimistic. It's uh, quite the opposite actually. Um, there's actually quite a big bit of negativity that is permeating throughout the club at the moment. Um, I mean, as you mentioned, we had a forgettable season um, where we were fighting relegation till nearly the very end of, of the campaign. And so obviously that spurned on a lot of pre- uh, negativity amongst the supporters um and then in this off season that we've had um a combination of no new signings with and i think the tipping point was the sale of one of our young uh youngsters Grady Diangana mm. who we sold to to West Brom who i believe is going to be a team that we are fighting with uh, to stave off relegation so to sell him to a to a premier league rival um after you had quite an outstanding season in the championship last year um I think was a bit of the tipping point for a lot of fans including myself so um negativity is just permeating throughout the club not a lot of hope that we're going to stay up I know some West Ham fans personally that um don't even really want to watch this season um just expecting the worst really it's, mm-hmm. it's a shame it's a shame and then on top of that you have um especially after that Diangana sale you have some players including our captain Mark Noble um expressing their anger Yeah, their I saw that. with the mm. with the sale. Yeah, so it's 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 not really a a good um there aren't a lot of good vibes at the moment at West Ham.
2: Yeah, I look at West Ham and I think there are obviously a lot of differences but I do see a lot of similarities in the way the clubs are run as well. I I do often get the impression from the outside that West Ham is similar to Newcastle, a commercial body as opposed to a football club. It seems to be very much profit first, and then the football will hopefully follow afterwards. Was that, do you think, the main reason for the sort of poor season last year? I know there was obviously changes of managers and all sorts of things, but what do you think the sort of main reason for the the disappointing season was?
1: So I I won't say that a lack of investment in the club was the reason for uh, a poor season last year. Um, specifically, because we did break our our transfer record last summer with Sebastian Haller. I think it was forty five million pound, um, and we had broken the, our transfer record a couple times the summer before. So I will say that the investment was there for the last two two summers um, to a to a point. Um, I I still am trying to pinpoint exactly where it all went wrong um because we did do very well under pellegrini his first season in charge and then Mm -hmm. in the second season we got off to a good start but then sort of just paid it out Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not really quite sure what happened um i i will say that there was a lack of depth to the squad which we talked about on on my channel as being um, an issue that newcastle's had it certainly has been an issue that um, west ham has had um, but I do think that it wasn't necessarily a lack of investment, but but once we realized that the club was no longer playing for Pellegrini and, and the results just simply weren't there and we needed a change, um, it was a combination of two things. One, not having a plan B, because when we let go of Pellegrini, we also let go of our director of football, Mario Husillos, who they were basically a pair. So there was no, there was no plan B.
0: It feels good to gift. So give your dad the one-for-all gift card this Father's Day and let him choose the gift he wants. With 100-plus brands to choose from and zero fees, there's no need to play the guessing game to show your appreciation. You know he'll get the gift he wants, and making his day will make your day. Gifting feels good with the one-for-all gift card. Available in-store and at giftcards.com. See giftcards.com for terms and conditions.
1: Except for bringing back David Moyes, the Messiah, who was the manager we let go to bring in Pellegrini in the first place, it's like breaking up with an ex and then get, you know it's just like it was just like what are we doing here? We have no I mean, plan. Yeah. Big. What was
2: what was the fans' reaction to that? Because obviously we we've talked about Bruce with Newcastle and how obviously it was so deflating. Was it? Did you all see it as a backwards step? I mean, it would it seems that way.
1: I mean it literally was it literally yeah. was a backwards step we went back to the manager that we deemed not good enough just a year and a half prior um so yeah the the fan reaction was what the hell is no go- what the hell is going on like we can't get anyone else um and the fact that Moyes accepted the job just goes to show you how little options he really had. And how yeah, little, that's a good point. You know, you know, so it was a it was a negative reaction by the
2: fans. Well, well yeah, the Man United the Man United job has just completely ruined his... I quite like David Moyes until Man United, but now he is kind of that manager in the same bracket as, as Steve Bruce, who you just know they'll jump at any job opportunity they can get. So, yeah, I mean, has he done anything different on his second time around? Or does it just seem like he's doing the same thing again? I always think he seems to struggle with the more talented footballers, he seems to not be able to get them playing. Like I look at Felipe Anderson and when there was obviously lockdown football and you could hear all the managers, I seem to remember Moyes just screaming at Felipe Anderson all the time. And he looked at him as if he was like, who the hell are you? I'm not listening to you. Um, do you think there's an element of that with Moyes, that he's kind of good with the the youngsters and the lesser players, but he can't really take it to the next level?
1: You know, that, that's a good question. I, I'm not really sure. It's not something that I've thought about quite a bit. Um... I mean, he is known as a bit of a, a tactical dinosaur in a way. I mean, he, he did great things at Everton um, for over a decade. I believe he was excellent there. Um, and I think his style of play fit the culture of a club like Everton very well. Um, and it just sort of, sort of hasn't transferred over. It didn't transfer over to United, as, as you said. And, and that poor experience that he had sort of has just carried on with him throughout his career. I mean, yeah. So to answer your specific question, I'm not sure. I, I I do know it's very obvious that he hasn't gotten the best out of our more talented flair players, like a Felipe Anderson, like a Manuel Anzini. But on the flip side of that, Manuel Pellegrini also didn't Struggles get the best well. out of them before Moyes came. So I, you know, I I don't think it's all Moyes. And 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 to be fair, so far. Moise is two for two in my book. He's come in twice to save the club from allegation, and he's done that twice. So, you know, I can't give the man too much stick, to be honest. He's done what he's come to do, and hopefully he can build off of this, but he's not really given, been given any funds to do so.
2: Yeah, so it seems that there's a, not necessarily a lack of investment, but just poor investment. A um, bit of a different story this season. Um, I went to look on the transfer market website to see who West Ham had brought in, and it was just a blank page. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you've made no sign ins this year,
1: is that, that right? Would, that would be, I mean, so technically, technically, we signed uh Su- Suchek to a permanent deal, but right. he obviously was with us on loan, so technically, we made a signing, but for all intents and yeah. purposes, no, we have not.
2: So, yeah, so do you think, I mean, just so, Predictably, most fans are expecting investment. Where do you think you're going to be lacking going into this new season if you don't sign anyone?
1: Um, I mean, the first position that comes to mind is left back, Uh, without a doubt, left back. Um, Aaron Cresswell and Arthur Masawaku are our two left backs. And Cresswell, you know, I have nothing against the guy. He plays hard when he plays, but always seems to have little little nagging injuries, Um, has a mistake in him once in a while, and he's more of a backup. and Arthur Masawaki simply is is not a left-back. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just cannot defend. Uh, he's very, very poor defender. Um, and you're going to give up goals with him on the pitch. So, left-back for sure. Um, and Mikel Antonio did very well, won the Player of the Month yeah. in July uh, as a striker. Um, scored four goals in
2: one game, didn't he? <laughs>
1: Yeah, versus yeah. Norwich, but yeah, still nonetheless, four goals in a game is a four goals.
2: Offense. That's two goals more than our 40 million pounds striker did in the whole season. So
1: that's true. Yeah. That's true. But um, technically, I mean, he's not a striker, so technically we have um, one fit striker with Premier League experience on the Ross on the on the in the squad, which is hilarious. Um, so I think another striker is is um, pretty pretty necessary and then probably another right back or and or center back our defense has been pretty poor mm-hmm. cool the last two seasons so very much focus on the defense especially left back we need a new left back like now
2: yeah well it's interesting actually because it sounds like your gaps are pretty much the same as what we had going into the season yeah and it's funny about you mentioned about the transfer fee with Alaire because he came in as a big money signing and hasn't exactly set the world on fire. And you could say those exact words about Joe Linton in our team. So it's interesting, really, that the the sort of successful players last season for both teams were really the ones that you weren't expecting to necessarily be the successes, like the Antonios. And I've really liked that Sucek since he's come in. I think I've seen him compared to um, it's sort of like David Moyes' new Fellaini and that he's just got a a big boy up front who can just knock the ball in from nothing. Um, And I think that's what your team probably needs. Um, But I know he's not going to be playing because he's quarantining, I believe, for the next couple of days. So uh, that's a shame. But, um, I mean, on the flip side, um, Newcastle seem to have filled those gaps. We've signed uh, Jamal Lewis, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser. Um, What have you made of, obviously you're not going to know an awful lot about these players or our team, but what have you made of our our signings from the outside?
1: Yeah, I think they've been some pretty competent signings in places where you guys had some gaps. Um, you mentioned Joe Linton only scoring two goals. Your leading scorer was Shelby with six, and he's not even a striker, so obviously striker was a, a necessity. Um, you mentioned your your left back, Dummett is isn't a left pack, so getting a, a nice young left back in, in Lewis is is filling the gap. And then, um, you know, you guys didn't create a lot of big chances last season, and, and Ryan Frazier, albeit he didn't have a great season with Bournemouth, this, this past campaign. Um, And I think there was a little more off the pitch stuff involved with that. Um, But he's obviously talented. He had 14 assists the season prior. So he can, he obviously has that capability to, uh, to create chances. So I I do think that not only did you make signings, um, but you made signings that filled in your, your, your big gaps uh, in the squad. And and then, you know, from a West Ham perspective, Callum Wilson, he, he, scores, he scores against us for fun. So um, <laughs> I'm a bit worried, to be honest, uh, playing you guys.
2: Yeah, uh, and we discussed this earlier as well, but uh, West Ham have a pretty torrid run of fixtures after this game. I think you're playing most of the top six straight away. Um, are you looking at this game already as a potential must-win even? I mean, I, I can't recall the fixtures off the top of my head now. I should have written them down, but... You know, you've got really tough fixtures after this. Are you guys genuinely concerned that a really poor start is going to sort of flip the whole club on its head again with new manager, potentially?
1: Yeah, and just to give you the, the list, so we, we, we face you guys, then we're um, at the Emirates, we host Wolves, at Leicester, at Spurs, host City, at Anfield.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that, does it? <laughs>
1: I just got to laugh at that point, but um, <laughs> I mean, is it a must-win? It's too much. I, I, for that, I, I we, hate calling. Yeah. I hate calling the first match of the season a must-win, um, but I, I do think that because there is that negativity that's permeating throughout the club, like I mentioned, um, you know, three points, you you know it, especially in, in 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 soccer, it's just three points can just change everything in an instant. Just get that win stop the rot, um, and 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 the mentality can just switch, yeah. uh, not only amongst the squad and the players, but of the fans and the supporters, which obviously affects things. So I don't wanna call it a must win, no, but it is very important, not only because of the awful list of fixtures that we have afterwards, but because there's just, just such a negative vibe amongst the club, fans don't wanna watch, fans don't care, fans, all they care about is getting Grady or um, Gold, Sullivan and Brady out, Uh, a win can just, I don't know, give us a little bit of hope. Uh, So that's why I think it's a little bit more important. Plus, it is the first game of the season. You do want to get off to a good start. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I I guess you can overanalyze the fixture list in some ways, because at the end of the day, you've got to play everyone twice. doesn't really matter which which order you do it. But yeah, I I know where you're coming from. It's not necessarily a, a must win, but if you lose to us and you, you've got the potential to not win any of those next six or seven games, uh, you don't want to be looking up the table only. Um, I mean, how, how was your sort of post-lockdown form? Because obviously a lot of teams were very different before and after football stopped and then started again. Did you end the season quite strong or was it- something-
0: It feels good to gift. So give your dad the one-for-all gift card this Father's Day and let him choose the gift he wants. With 100-plus brands to choose from and zero fees, there's no need to play the guessing game to show your appreciation. You know he'll get the gift he wants, and making his day will make your day. Gifting feels good with the One for All gift card. Available in-store and at giftcards.com. See giftcards.com for terms and conditions.
2: All will borrow the same.
1: Uh, no, I'm trying to remember exactly how he ended it. I know he ended it pretty well um I, we we uh went unbeaten in our last four um and beat the likes of uh Chelsea that was a really massive win um as well so you know we yeah we ended we ended the season on this county here three wins three wins three draws and a and a loss in the That's last uh, yeah so it you know i think we ended it or sorry three yeah, so I think I think we ended it pretty well, um, to, to be honest. And, and again, going back to what I said earlier, I, I do think Moyes has done what he's come in here to do, which is save the team from relegation and give us some little organization, get the guys a bit more fit, um, and, and, and get the guys believing a little bit. So he's done just that. Um, but but as I mentioned, since then, since that positive end to the to the season, it's just been just negativity after negativ- ne- yeah. negative, like negative, negative, so, negative, so. So do you think
2: there's not going to be really a momentum going into the season? Do you think it's very much starting again from scratch?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if we, you know, maybe if we had signed uh, a Rico Henry from Brentford, um, who, who we've been looking at, or even if we signed a Jamal Lewis, you know, that would have been a yeah. great signing for us. Um, you know, maybe, and then maybe we signed another player as well. I think you're looking at maybe some confidence, maybe someone saying, "All right, let's fight for this." Um, but you know, just given the given the lack of signings, plus then the sale of Diangano, which I said was sort of the last straw, it, it's that 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 momentum is gone now, unfortunately, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I I, it,
2: I think that's um, going to be the case for a lot of clubs. I think you even saw it with Liverpool, where they won the league and they just completely stopped. And I think for a lot of clubs, this is going to be it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be full of a lot of disruptions. And that'll yeah. potentially work. Might work for clubs like us. Um, thankfully, we're not getting these five substitutions that were being floated around by the big clubs. Um, as a bit before we get into the game itself, as a bit of a season prediction, where would you put our two clubs in the table at the end of the season?
1: Um, it's a million pound question, I know. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I I do, especially with these new signings. I mean, Newcastle do have a an opportunity to start, to start strong here, use the new signings as a bit of a momentum, uh, momentum boost. Um, because as I said, these, these are going to be key players for you guys and that can really contribute. Um, you know, I, I, I personally don't see Newcastle struggling too much this season. You know, I'm thinking, you know, an 11th, an 11th placement yeah. sounds, sounds about right to me. Um, you know, too, too bad with the lack of the takeover, because I knew some fans were thinking, you know, let's challenge for the Champions League here in the <laughs> year two. But, um, no, I mean, I, I do think you guys will actually be pretty comfortable. I, I, I liked what I saw um, from you guys more so pre-lockdown, post-lockdown. You guys were a bit sloppy, but um, you guys have done enough to be safe. So, I, I mean, I think overall 11th or 12th, I'll, I'll say 11th. From,
2: from yeah, I, I don't think many fans would disagree with you. I think... Um... You know, we're not going to push the top half of the table anytime soon. I think we're going to see uh, the gap close between the top two teams and, you know, Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham. I think they're all going to improve. So I think there will be a bit more of a gap between... Like, I don't think we're going to see Sheffield United challenging for Europa League. I don't think we're going to see Wolves up there anymore next season. Um, I think there'll be a very compact group from, basically, West Brom at the bottom all the way up to maybe eighth or ninth. So I can see both our clubs sort of fighting around then, Um you haven't spoken about West Ham yet, do you think, um, where do you think they'll come and are you worried about relegation this year or do you think you'll, yes. do you think you've got enough, yeah?
1: Yeah. And the only the only reason I'm going to make this prediction is because I try to, I try to put positive juju out in the, in the, in the world. So I'm going to say positive we're going to, finish, we're going to, we're going to finish 17th. Okay, season. safe. So pretty much we're going to be fighting relegation all year. Um, just like pretty much we did last season, and uh, we'll survive by the skin of our teeth. Uh, I I don't think Moyes will finish the season as as our manager. Uh, I I don't know who the hell will will replace him, but I just I just don't see it, especially with some of the rumors that there's sort of a rift between him and, and Karen Brady. Yeah, I saw about that. Yeah,
2: you, have you heard much about that? Because I allegedly there was some huge bust up between them, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, allegedly. Um, it came from a pretty reliable source so uh, I mean I think there's probably some truth to it to you know has it been exaggerated a bit you know how it is in the media probably yeah. a bit there were there was also a story about how Mark noble left his foot in on a tackle against one of us against one of our guys in training and was laughing afterwards which just <laughs> doesn't sound like a mark like i just don't think mark Noble. no is gonna he check seems me. like a good professional mark noble i don't think yeah he's, that's uh, in his he would nature, never I mean. do anything yeah he would never do anything to hurt the club um and that would be hurting the club so well you saw that when he saw
2: that when he tweeted out when that player got sold he obviously cares about west ham so i can't yeah it seems a bit strange that yeah so
1: to, to, who knows how much is true or not but um it, i mean like i said there's just negativity. So, 17th i'm gonna go just because i don't want to predict we're going down because i don't want to put that out into the into the universe right now
2: (laughs) well i guess if you if you're pessimistic in your prediction you always it always seems better doesn't it so yeah it it is difficult i mean unfortunately I'm, i'm minded to agree i do think you're in the territory of there's three teams worse than you and i think there probably will be this season Um, i think west ham have just got enough quality, providing you don't get too many injuries. So, I think you guys will be safe, but I think it will be hairy. And, like you say, yeah, they might just get rid of Moyes and you'll end up with someone like Marco Silva, one of those sort of merry-go-round managers that seem yeah. to jump from club to club. Um, it's frustrating because I think West Ham's one of those teams where the foundations there to have a really good successful club similar to Newcastle and there's obviously a lot of history there um, but they seem to just be in a rut so I hope it's not a relegation fight for you but I I do think that's the way it's going unfortunately. Um, So the game itself, we've been talking for about 20 minutes now, we haven't actually talked about the game so we should probably do that. Um, Newcastle will probably set up, um, I suspect most of our new signings will play because Bruce is desperate to get off to a good start. Um, I can see it being Wilson as the lone striker with the very exciting three in behind, St Maximin, now Miron, Fraser. Um, I think Fraser's allegedly not quite up to speed, so he might not quite make it, but then it will be the sort of standard Newcastle team we saw behind that. Um, West Ham's set up, how does that normally go about? Well, I guess you can't really know for the start of the season, but from the end of last season, how was it you were setting up?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was mainly... um... From what I can recall, it was mainly a 4-2-3-1, pretty similar to you guys. Uh, so four, we had four at the back. We had, you know, Cresswell and then Diop and Ogbonna. Ogbonna played very well for us in the, in the center of the defense. And then uh, Ryan Fredericks uh, slash our youngster, Ben Johnson, who I think uh, he's 20 years old now, a very talented youngster. I think he uh, he's earned the starting spot at right back. Um, you had Mark Noble and Declan Rice uh, sitting pretty much right in front of the defense. Um, And then you had Suchek as sort of a central box-to-box midfielder, um, sort of that Marilyn Fellaini type of role Mm when Moyes Moyes was at Everton, and I think he fit that role perfectly. I think he ran like the most kilometers out of almost anyone in the Premier League, or like post-restart or something like that. Some some style like that. Um, Then we had uh, Jared Bowen. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle wanted to sign him. Oh, really?
2: Yeah, we were we were apparently talking about getting him for ages, and then we'd never quite put the money down. So yeah, I think you've got a good player in your hands, and from what I gather, he's done really well in preseason as well. He's
1: been great. He's been yeah. He yeah. scored a brace versus Bournemouth, and he's gonna really need to be. He's he's gonna need to score double-digit goals this this season. He just he's just gonna need to be that catalyst, and and he was he he performed very well when he came to West. He'll be on on the right-hand side, likes to cut in on that left. Mm-hmm. Um, And then uh, on the left, I mean, on the left, see, this is where now you just sort of don't know who's going to be playing, you know, in in the restart, Antonio is up top. He's usually on the left wing, but he was on top because Hilaire was hurt. And then on the left, um, Anderson played a little bit there. Um, You can also have Snodgrass play there a little bit, although he mainly plays on the right. So I'm not really sure who he's going to pick to be on that left wing. Maybe he'll put Antonio out there and put Hilaire up top. Maybe he'll move Antonio with Hilaire to form a two-striker partnership. That's where I'm just not really sure mm-hmm. um, exactly how he's going to set up um, heading into heading into this
3: season.
2: Yeah, it's always difficult, and I think
1: uh,
2: Moy, similar to Bruce, I don't think they still don't know what the best start in eleven is, so I think it'll be very much a case of trying to feel out the, the squads at the start of the season because half of the squad is going to be exhausted still. They've had no break whatsoever, especially with some players going off to international. So we mentioned Suchek, I know he's not going to be playing because of quarantine, but mm-hmm. the, of the it's going to be a very strange season where lots of people dropping down, injured and having to quarantine, and not play for two weeks. It's going to be, uh, d- it's difficult to predict, isn't it? So, yeah. um, but if you had to sort of pinpoint the main strength and the main weakness of your side, if you were in a, a Steve Bruce team talk and you were trying to explain to Newcastle how to beat West Ham, what do you think the the solution to that is?
1: So, so you're asking how, how a Newcastle team can beat West Ham? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, attack, attack our defence. I mean, because it might be as simple as that. We, yeah. We got- I mean, it's we funny go- you
2: say that, is that it's simple, but Newcastle don't keep the ball. <laughs> so it's, yeah. a, you might say it's simple, but Newcastle, against the sort of the non-Big Six teams, we still sit off the ball. So do you think the the best way to try and get get at West Ham is to actually control the game? And not let you control
1: it. No, that's a good point because um, from some of the goals that I can remember, you guys scoring against us, maybe not the last match we played, but in the in the matches prior, um, I remember a lot of counter attack goals that you guys scored against us. Yeah, where you guys did sort of sit back and actually sitting back and allowing us to attack you. I personally don't think we have. Um, the, the players and the talent to break down a team like a city would be able to with quick one two passes. You know, we obviously aren't aren't that talented and we struggle against teams that sort of sit back a little bit. And then on top of that, we struggle defensively, especially with pace, especially with counterattacking uh schemes against us. So I remember St. Maximin out running Pablo Sabaleta on the right side. Why <laughs> he was uh, to be him. fair, I think
2: my dad could outrun Pablo's ability yeah, at this point. That
1: point. <laughs> we, we lo- I want to say, I love Pablo. He, yeah, he's he, great. He, he was a good servant for us for three years, and and gave everything all the time. But his legs were, were gone. And mm-hmm. so I think I think sitting back, being well organized against us, we do struggle to to break down teams in that manner. And then, you know, taking the, getting the ball, counter attacking. I think that's a great one two punch to, to to beat West Ham.
2: Yeah, and that seems to be the way we are best playing as well. And yeah, the game at the London Stadium last season, we went 3-0 up and it was just sort of crash bandwagon of football where it was just Shelby getting it, playing And that yeah. And I think the difference we're going to have this time is that Shelby's playing long balls into Callum Wilson and St. Maximin is feeding Callum Wilson and you're going to have Ryan Fraser coming in and Almiron in the middle. So, yeah, I, I do think we'll cause you guys some problems. Um, I am glad Suchek isn't playing because we have always struggled with, you know, big presences in the box. Um, we are relatively quite good when teams are sort of trying to dominate the possession, but I, I can see it going that way again this time. I can see it just being West Ham passing the ball from side to side at the edge of our box and then we can break. Um, which is why when we get to a prediction, it's a good segue of that, um, that I can see us sneaking this game 1-0. Um, it's going to be the last game on the TV, I think it's 8 o'clock in the UK, um, no idea what that means for you, <laughs> some some random time too, oh, that's quite a nice time to watch it. Um, yeah, because your game started at like 6am, don't they, for the, the Premier League? All yeah, the really one start at
1: 630 yeah.
2: Yeah, um, so it's going to be the last game on TV. I think it's going to be a really poor game. I think it's going to be lots of rustiness and sloppiness, but I can see us getting a, a good goal on the break. And Callum Wilson, the form he's in against West Ham, I can just see it being the sort of dream debut. Um, and I just see us, I see us getting that win. Um, how do you feel about it? Have you got a prediction in mind?
1: Yeah, again, trying to put some positive vibes out there. I do see Callum Wilson scoring against us. Um... But I, I, And I do agree with you that it's going to be a game full of rustiness, uh, full, of, full of some tired players. Um, they're not going to look sharp. I mean, I, I, I am worried that we're going to lose. Again, want to put the positive vibes out there. I'm going to predict 1-1. I think we'll nick a goal somewhere, somehow. I, I, love, I love how a positive
2: vibe is 1-1 at yeah. home.
1: <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is certainly positive for us. Yeah, at home. Um, A draw at home um no but yeah I mean if we can get a point I, I honestly would be happy and and you're right that does just go to show you the state that this club is in right now because you know that's my heart giving that prediction my mind definitely doesn't say 1-1 so um yeah I'm, I'm gonna stick yeah. with it but I'm gonna go 1-1
2: yeah I wouldn't be too upset with the draw it's first game of the season I think um you don't want to lose the first game of the season I think as long as Bruce can show that we we've got a bit about us this year. Um, I think that's all you can really ask for in the early stages of the season. You just want to be shown that the team's going to be okay. Um, so that's the main thing I want to see from this game. If it's a draw, be a bit disappointed, um, but I do fancy us nicking it. Um, and I hope I'm right and you're wrong, like you said to me earlier. <laughs> but uh, I think that about does it. Um, thanks very much for coming on. I'm. Hoping
0: Shopping these days can be underwhelming, but at QVC, we believe those who love to shop deserve a living, breathing way to shop, where product descriptions are alive with demos by creators, chats with inventors, and hosts who know the most. From self-care and kitchenware to fashion trends and forever faves, at QVC, we bring life to products and products to life. Shop qvc.com slash podcast and use code qvc15podcast for $15 off $30 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life
2: and that yeah. the next time we speak halfway through the season and um, we're both fighting for Champions League places and we were yeah, both completely yeah. wrong about the season but uh, we'll see. But yeah, thanks great. for coming on once again.
1: Yeah, Andy. It was great talking to you, man. Thank you.
3: Join us at Mervis Diamond this weekend for our very special Viraggio engagement and wedding ring show combined with our famous mermaid lab-grown diamond show. Our full Veragio bridal collection will be on view. It's your chance to customize your ring your way. Mermaid lab-grown diamonds are the finest you can get. The quality is amazing and the value will blow you away. Now you can flash a huge rock, twice the size of what you would have expected, in a gorgeous Veragio ring at a very affordable price. Love can strike at any time. Celebrate with a mermaid diamond in a Veragio ring. What's more, with Mervis Financing, you can get all of this for less than $200 a month with zero interest for up to five years. Select your ideal Viraggio ring and mermaid lab-grown diamonds from the largest selection anywhere in the entire metro area. Only this weekend and only at Mervis. Don't miss the special savings offer. Mervis Diamond Importers. Register at MervisDiamonds.com or call 1-800-HER-LOVE. Sports Social Podcast Network